This is my year of not sucking or fucking. Prayer warriors pay pigs and my fellow Americans. Let me be clear. Yeah, I've been fucking in morning. I'm very tired of the audacity of these bras. I actually give Bill Clinton enormous credit. I think it's easy to be cynical. But I hope for a future of no more feminism. A future of blatant sexism. And together we can abolish monogamy for the sake of the economy. I think the American people are hungry. This is a certified big soy naturals classic. Hello, hey pigs and prayer warriors. We are not going to be having a 20 minute intro this time around um, because we want to get right into it. My name is Kendall. I'm Cerise. I'm a public intellectual. I'm Mm -hmm. uh, the former head of diversity and inclusion at Mm -hmm. uh, Tesla. Um, I just got let go as the uh, portfolio manager for Bored Apes. Um, I was I was head of content at Quibi. I was was the the head product manager at Quibi. Um, The the product was it was actually my idea to make it so that when the video. Um, is playing uh, and you're holding your phone vertically, it's like a slightly different image than what you get when you hold it uh, horizontally. That was my idea. It was also a a genius idea. Thank you. It was also my idea to like not allow screenshots because, you know, no free publicity. (laughs) Like I'm not giving out free clout. Um, I'm happy to be here. I'm glad you listed your entire LinkedIn profile and I just said my name. Well, um, well I'm, I, I'm looking I, for a job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, you've got some, you, you're, you know, you're putting out your feelers. Um, yeah, all I, on my the other apes. Hand, I'm your, my apes have tanked. <laughs> all, your, all your apes have tanked. You need, you need that money. Uh, I'm your chief officer of Cringe. I am your USB rat king. And folks, instead of um, making fun of women and being in women's business... Today we're going to teach you about a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a woman we we talk about, we name drop all the time because she's our best friend. Um, we we talk to her from beyond the grave every Sunday. Um, it's Miss Andrea Dworkin. We are we are starting a very special series, um, which is our intercourse reader series. It's our year of not sucking and not fucking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, the main the. The main thing you need to know about this series, um, like logistically, we're going to release this episode public first, and then the pay pigs over on Patreon, they're going to get um, the rest of the episodes like a, a month or so in advance before you guys do. Um, so if you want um, an extra release, um, a little extra piece of content yeah, give every us, month, you want to learn. Give us money. Give us money. That's literally, money. you should be giving... Uh, BIPOC, uh, they, them, uh, first generation, uh, b- mm-hmm. bisexual, um, what else? Blonde. What else do I have? Go- well, okay, that's you. Uh, that's me. <laughs> well, okay, for you, neuro- neurodivergent. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you, should, you should be, like, we're, we have so many categories that I think should inspire you to open up your wallets, mm-hmm. open up your minds, because yeah. we're going to teach you something. 
Uh, we're giving the pay pick something first, but like the episodes will be coming out. So if you're, you know, if you don't like giving money um, to people of color, um, that's, yeah. I guess that's okay. Also, because you'll, you'll get them eventually. So why, why are we doing this? It's because like every single episode that we are in women's business, which is probably most of them, um, <laughs> Kendall and I talk about intercourse by Andrea Dworkin all the time and just like Dworkin's work in general I've been revisiting her book uh Women Hating and that one is really good too or Woman Hating um also her, her book Pornography is a is a classic as well um and we're just like recommending her constantly but constantly but we know that our audience is exclusively former gifted kids with ADHD yeah. who used to be able to read a book a day when you were in sixth grade, but now you can't pay attention to read it all. And you're like, Oh, it's so hard. Like I, I can't read. <laughs> like it reminds me, <laughs> reminds me of sixth grade when my teacher gave me a gold star, but now I try to read and I can't. Um, I, I, like, I read all of the Animorphs books and now I can't read Marx and Angles. It's just so hard. It's difficult. Yeah. The, like you can't, difficult. can't read theory. It's not as accessible mm-hmm. as, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the Animorphs books are pretty good. You might not need to read Marx if you read that one. But anyway. Yeah, it's true. I just like, I feel like none of you have read Intercourse, even though we keep telling you to do mm-hmm. it. So we're, we're going to make it happen. Cause like, yeah, um, it's time as, a, as, as another logistical note, I know a lot of you, um, as, as gifted kids with ADHD who talk about how theory is hard and inaccessible, you might think we don't have, you're going to have to buy this book on Amazon Prime. Uh, but oh, you no. don't. We have a whole, we have a whole PDF. It's going to be linked in the description, baby. We so should not read along. We should not do that. But you should, you could, you could like send us an email and yeah. we might maybe send you, like, cause, right? It's like cop- <laughs> copyrighted. I mean, I know that we hate copyright. Yeah, it it came out in like the 80s. Well, shit. Well. (laughs) It's not public domain, which, but like, if you don't have the book and you want it, like we can, we can, we can make that happen, but maybe. Apparently we cannot put it in the description. Allegedly. Like. We allegedly might get a cease and desist. I don't think that, I mean, um, I don't think like Dworkin's partner is going to come after us, but I feel like we... We'll just e- we'll email it to you. It's fine. Send us yeah, an email. Whatever. It's fine. Anyway, it's fine. <laughs> anyway, we know that you haven't read this book. It's it's like a, okay, I guess. And also, like in addition to like not having anything in common with the Warrior Cat series in terms of readability, um, it's it's also like a much more polarizing book than the Warrior Cat series. And I think that that's probably why our audience has not gotten around to reading it yet. Um, and Dworkin knows that as well. Um, I have this quote from her preface that she added in 1995, um, which is like eight years after the book came out. So see, it came out in the 80s. Copyright. Copyright law is still in effect. Um, but Kendall, would you want mm-hmm. to read this mm-hmm. quote? Yes, I can. Um, so the quote begins, When I finished writing Intercourse, one colleague advised me to add an introduction to explain what the book said. That way readers would not be shocked, afraid, or angry because the ideas would be familiar, pre-chewed, easier to digest. I would be protected from bad or malicious readings and purposeful distortions. Uh, My eagerness to explain myself would show that I wanted people to like me and my book, the quintessential feminine pose. 
I love that she mentions pre-chewed. Like, she's about Mm -hmm. to say, like, what? You want me to be, like, your little mama bird and just fucking vomit up these words (laughs) for you? Um, She very much, like, has, like, a very visible disdain um, for explaining herself. And she declined to explain herself, like, at all, uh, any further than the text already does. Um, And I don't think we should either. Um, I think that she's very plain um, and very open in her views. But I... I do want to say like intercourse is polarizing in more ways in more and other ways now than when it first came out. And it is worth getting into, um, you know, she was what would be called like a radical feminist. And back then it wouldn't be considered, uh, it wouldn't have the same connotations that phrasing wouldn't have the same connotations that it does now um, with certain groups of people, which is why a lot of people I think misconstrue her views um like on one hand because of just that label alone. Um, but also because like, you know, she's frankly like a very, like, like she has said in this quote, like she doesn't really want to be liked. That's not her goal in all of this. Um, you know, she and has a Scorpio that that Mercury. Through, like, oh, she does. Yeah. Makes... Libra okay. sun though. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought she was a Virgo okay. just like you, but she's not, she's a Libra. So, so she's, so she's balanced, but also like, fuck you. Yeah, well, I feel like Libra is all about like communicating, like or like not communicating mm-hmm. the way the Gemini does, but like like expressing ideas, like trying to get people to understand ideas. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very it's the most common sign for like uh, military generals. Um, but oh, interesting. But Scorpio Mercury is like, yeah, like fuck you. I'm I'm gonna tell you how it is. Um, and she, I mean. She's she's our, she, like this is her preface is that what we're quoting from because what we we're trying to do is like each ep- uh, episode is going to cover a chapter probably mm-hmm. maybe we'll have to split one up into two parts we'll see I don't know um, but like this is her preface and she's saying like I'm supposed to be introducing this book to you but like fuck you I'm not gonna do that like yeah I don't think that you're stupid and I'm not going to treat you like you're stupid I'm not your mama bird but. Yeah, also, like, on the note of her being a radical feminist, like, that is what she called herself when she was alive. She died in, like, 2001 or something. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, I, like, personally still identify with this label, but it's definitely been eaten up by, like, screeching, transphobic bigots who do more in service for patriarchy and male domination than I think that they do for women anywhere, like, you only hear about turf activism when they're getting mad at themselves for being like 16th place in a sport. Um, <laughs> or like today. Yeah. Or like when they're trying to get random trans women fired from their jobs, like they're never like drawing on their base and like drumming up support for anything besides just like mm-hmm. yelling at like, like nobody trans women, like not even mm-hmm. f- famous people. Cause they, they don't want to pick a fight with someone that they might lose against. It's just like like randos that they like hide in the um, yeah, the Twitter some, replies of and, and are like uh, you're ugly. But like I've yeah, some I've, trans woman with like a furry AVI that they're just like, well, you you're a degenerate because you like Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, cool feminism. Kiss. Cool feminism. <laughs> but yeah, I've like I've literally I've never ever and I've I've like spent a decent amount of time on like the the turf side of the internet because I used to I used to try to save them um which did not work but like never in any of those those times like did I ever see like turfs 
organizing to like fund someone's abortion or them like sticking up for a victim of sexual assault or like trying to like fundraise for someone's housing or something like it's like they they do one thing um but the term Mm -hmm. does stand for like trans exclusionary radical feminism um they just like only seem to hold themselves to practicing the first two words of that but Radical feminism is a feminist um, philosophy that like very much predates turf antics, which is why the TE is like modifying the radical feminism. And I think it, Mm -hmm. it can, and it should be completely separate from transphobia. And in fact, like radical feminism that works, that has the potential to, to win should center trans women in its aims because radical feminism acknowledges that we live in patriarchy and that our societies are structured within a hierarchy of male domination that like permeates our social and economic world and it believes that gender is an invention of patriarchy rather than like some real actual thing that exists in nature um it's not some like spooky boogeyman that's just like in like a top hat and a monocle and an evil mustache right like gender is just the assigned social categories or at least in the understanding of like radical feminism it like means the assigned social categories that dictate power relations and what roles we have to perform so this is different from like I don't know, like a gender identity that someone might claim for themselves that like makes them feel good about themselves and like is how they want to be seen and how they should be treated. Like here we're talking about like gender as uh, like an imposed force um, on people and like what role you're supposed to be performing in that. And so the goal of radical feminism um, at least should be Uh, and was at one point the liberation from patriarchy and therefore like the abolition of gender in this sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, like that's, it's really sad, honestly, to see um, the term radical feminist or even just like rad femme shortened uh, become just shorthand for like woman who screeches about like the fact that the womb is the most inherent part of like, her gender expression and her gender gender identity. Um, It's just very sad to see that become the result of what could be seen as like the entire opposite. Um, At least back in the day, back when uh, people like Dworkin were identifying with this label. Um, It's just like, it's disappointing, especially because like you see a lot of like women who identify as like lesbians uh, identify also as like trans-exclusionary radical feminists. I don't know. I feel like that's, um, that's overblown. kind of sad. I feel like that's overblown. Yeah. I feel like that's like an internet thing. The idea that like, it is. like lesbians are more likely to be rad femmes is something that like they like to say about themselves because it gives some legitimacy to their ideas. But I think in yeah. like the real world, like off that part of online, like, lesbians aren't any more likely to be no like turfs than anyone well, that's else exactly why and, it's and like also like sad to have them have another identity co-opted into that yeah you know because like the, in that way the most prominent turf right now is like a homophobic straight woman who <laughs> wrote a little story about uh like a wizard boy Wizards going Mm -hmm. to British boarding school. So I don't know, like I, I, the author of wizards 101. um. Yeah. The idea that like 
radical feminism that is like trans exclusionary is doing something to like protect lesbians is something invented mm-hmm. by them uh, in order to like make themselves seem like they're just not they're, like know, a like a hate group. The narrative. Yeah, they're <laughs> queering the narrative for sure. But it's not like a lesbian is oh. any more likely than anyone else to to be no. like this. It's it's just it's very sad to see um so many identities get co-opted by this label that I think could be actually like extremely useful to um the the causes we believe in which are cool and sexy versus the causes that they believe in which are dumb and stupid. And also um, the causes that Dworkin believes in cuz she like has yeah. like she has expressed views on like trans rights and trans liberation in her book. So mm-hmm. like, she's not a part of this like nasty mess of harpies. Yeah. And I mean, not to like speculate on Dworkin, like Dworkin's inner life, but her partner has made uh, several like articles talking about how Andrea was not a turf um, that they both had like many, many like very spirited discussions about gender and how, um, you know, she was very much um, a advocate for trans rights. So, um, you know, it's not, I would never like really want to speculate on her inner life because that's not really interesting to me, especially for this series. Like we're talking about her work in general, but it's it's clear from the other people in her life that she was not a turf, <laughs> like um, both in her life materially and in the, and in the, in, and in her own writings. So it's something to uh, keep in mind when you, um, you dear prayer warrior, dear pay pig, dear listener, uh, go and, and read her stuff. Um, uh, in her book um, in 1974, Woman Hating, uh, the language in this passage is aligned with the terminology that uh, trans people used all the time, which is like somewhat outdated now. Um, she says, there is no doubt that in the culture of male, uh, female discreteness, Transsexuality is a disaster for the individual transsexual. Every transsexual, white, black, man, woman, rich, poor, is in a state of primary emergency as a transsexual. Uh, There are three crucial points here. One, every transsexual has the right to survival on his or her own terms. That means every transsexual is entitled to a sex change operation, and it should be provided by the community as one of its functions. Uh, This is an emergency measure for an emergency condition. Two, by changing our premises about men and women, role-playing and polarity, the social situation of transsexuals will be transformed and transsexuals will be integrated into community, no longer persecuted and despised. Three, community built on androgynous identity will mean the end of transsexuality as we know it. Either the transsexual will be able to expand his or her sexuality into a fluid androgyny, or as the roles disappear, the phenomenon of transsexuality will disappear and the the energy will be transformed into new modes of sexual identity and behavior. I think some of this could be misconstrued towards the end by people to say that she doesn't believe that trans people exist, but that's not true. It's very clear in her writing. I think because some of the language (laughs) is outdated, like that's why it makes sense to include it and also like talk about Mm -hmm. it. Because the end of transsexuality as we know it 
um, does not mean like exterminating trans people, which is <laughs> definitely like what TERFs desire. It's also what like the white supremacists desire, but it means like the end of trans oppression mm-hmm. um, and like the end of assigned genders and the freedom to express yourself and do with your body, yeah. like whatever feels right to you without fear of violence or oppression. And so like that is, if that were... The reality that we lived in like that would extremely change the yeah. like condition of what it means to be um like a trans person and so i mean that is what clear. she's saying when she's saying like this phenomenon yeah. will disappear um and that I mean, it's like very clear from like the rest of the passage that it's all very like material condition she's talking about like in a ideal society the material conditions of a transgender person would be um like changed an ideal they well the, the, the most important part the most important part yeah. is the first point which is that they have yeah. the right to survival or like every transsexual mm-hmm. has the right to survival on his or her own terms so right. like that that is the most important part and that everything comes second to that so mm-hmm. i just um feel like in 1974 miss dorkin was already saying it um, and so there's really not an excuse for anyone else who's like calling themselves a feminist um, to be weaponizing like feminism as a way to further the oppression of trans people. I also think it's important to recognize that like because she was saying it during this time, there is absolutely no reason um, for anyone to be making the excuse, I think, for other people. Um, other people like other academics of um, her time period, other feminists um, that were, you know, trans exclusionary. Um, we can't just say that it was a sign of the times. Oh yeah. Um, well, okay, but also like which these, is a these, common thing that I see a lot of people say. It just drives me crazy. These broads do not read. So like, because mm-hmm. I I have <laughs> very much seen um, like turfs online trying to claim Andrea as their own when Mm -hmm. like it's in her work that she does not feel uh the same way that they do um and i think that they 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 don't they don't read um no because if they if they did then they they would know um that she's like not in their camp but they would also know that they like can't claim that like other feminist writers at the time have an excuse because of the time that they were in as if like trans people have yeah. not existed for much longer. Um, but they, they, they don't read books. So, which is, I, th- I guess something that they have in common with our listeners um, yeah. is they only read the warrior cat series. They all have imposter mm-hmm. syndrome. Um, <laughs> they read Raylo fanfic, but no, no, no books. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, they don't read. Um, I will. I will say that um, Dworkin wasn't just didn't just say this in woman hating. This was a like. It's funny that they're all so um, adamant that she's like one of their own. Um, when in fact, like, she didn't just say this once, but many, many times um, in her nineteen seventy five speech, uh, the root cause. Um, I have made this distinction in order to enable me to say something very simple that while the system of gender polarity is real, it is not true. It is not true that there are two sexes which are discrete and opposite, which are polar, which unite naturally and self-evidently into a harmonious whole. Harmonious, uh. (laughs) 
uh, it is not true that the male embodies both positive and neutral human qualities in contrast to the female who is female, uh, according to Aristotle and all of male culture, by virtue of certain lack of qualities. And once we do not accept this notion that men are positive and women are negative, we are essentially rejecting the notion uh, that men and women at, of men that there are men and women at all. In other words, the system based on this polar model of existence is absolutely real, but the model itself is not true. Um, and some of you might find that confusing, but the general consensus is, uh, you know, well, she, she um, once says we reject it... the idea of like a of a patriarchal society, we reject the idea of gender having distinct qualities in a in a like a scientific model of study. Yeah. Um, well, she says it again in her, um, in Woman Hating, where she says, like, the discovery, mm -hmm. of course, is that man and woman are fictions, caricatures, cultural constructs. As models, they are reductive, totalitarian, inappropriate to human becoming. As roles, they are static, demeaning to the female, dead-ended for the male and female both. Um, and it's not like this was a... She wasn't alone in feeling this way, which is, I think, the other reason why it's. I mean, if it were, if they weren't so annoying and British, um, it would be funny to see, like, <laughs> I don't know, like, like the the evolution of where turfs are, because this was not a controversial idea under radical feminism. Like, this was what mm -hmm. made radical feminism appealing to me, because uh, there's this other writer. Shulamith Firestone, who wrote The Dialectic of Sex in 1970, so four years before Woman Hating came out, and she said that the end goal of the feminist revolution must be, unlike that of the first feminist revolution, not the elimination of male privilege, but of the sex distinction itself. Genital differences between human beings would no longer matter culturally. And then she later goes on to say in that book that we cannot have true equality until biological traits are separated from identity and I think that that's like really where TERFs have me so fucked up because when they <laughs> when they're like um trying to do like a gotcha and they're like define woman and they're like in everyone like they're zooming in on your photos to try to figure out who has a pussy and who doesn't um like not only are they they're checking out your bone structure right. they're getting out the forceps i like. cannot tell you how many times like i've had someone try to like oh. get me by being like clocked like you're a man mm -hmm. you have a dick and i'm like i like <laughs> I, like I could, but <laughs> you're but you're not you're not very good at this. Um, but they they like <laughs> fixate on like trying to figure out who has a has a vagina and who doesn't, and they are constantly like they they think that they've really figured something out by asking people who believe in trans liberation to like define woman, and then when no one can really like come up with a singular definition, they're like, see like. See, but they're, what they're actually doing is like they're es establishing the model of gender as a true one. The reason that like you can't come up with a singular definition of woman that actually fits everyone is because it's a social category um, and not like a, a natural category. And when we look at it from yeah. a Marxist perspective, it's also a class. Yeah. It's a social class. I mean, and that's that's a big part of, of Dworkin's work is is about how um, patriarchy has enforced a political class of 
uh, called women <laughs> in order to delineate and reify a class called men um, and like divide the labor and roles surrounding procreation. Um, and you can see this like very heavily um, right now in the way this, in the ways that um, like Roe v. Wade is being enforced, um, you know, in basically well, saying with our legislation um, <laughs> or not enforced, sorry, I mixed up my words there, but um, basically forcing saying with their legislation, like women are meant to be in the role of birth giver um, and not necessarily like worker. <laughs> um, well, like that, that the, that the labor role of yeah, woman is reproductive is, labor, domestic yeah. labor. And if you have the ability to give birth, then therefore like you must you must mm-hmm. like do reproductive labor regardless of whether mm-hmm. or not you want to do it, regardless of like mm-hmm. if that fits with your like identity or not, if if it's healthy for you or not. And so if it fits with your class structure, yeah, like your like your ability, if, your like, if you have on, like physical ab- ability. Yeah. If you have the capability yeah. to give birth, then you must give birth. And if you do not, then like we're not respecting your status or as even woman. Just- just the potential to give birth, not even mm-hmm. like the ability, like the hundred percent right. ability, like you will give birth to this baby. It could be a, like, there's a lot of women out there that have, you know, or, you know, people who have uteruses that um, have like the potential to give birth, but it is very likely that they will not give birth. Right. Um, well, and, and I think full alive child, like with that in mind, it is, I think it should be obvious that the movement to erode, like abortion access, reproductive rights, and the movement to challenge trans people's humanity and their right to exist is like, they're like two sides of the same coin. Like they're, yeah. they have the same aim, which is forcibly maintaining these political classes of men and women in order to continue the exploitation of procreative labor. And that maintenance is really necessary because the United States and the West is, it's in its flop era. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, no, there's she no other way no of hits. looking at it. Yeah, no <laughs> hits. Like, we don't even have real pop stars anymore. Like, our industry <laughs> plants have no talent, which doesn't make any sense because, like, why is, We're the, why them is from the, the industry? UK? Yeah. Like, why is the industry spending its time manufacturing little industry plants that can't sing? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, You know, Avril Lavigne, she could sing. And Mm -hmm. we don't have we don't have talented industry plants anymore. They keep trying to recreate the pop punk era, um, like pop punk girls. And they're just it's not working. Um, No, we have like fashion. Fashion is in in a flop. Uh, Everyone's wearing Shein. Like it's all outsourced. No one wants to work anymore. <laughs> We're an empire I'm sorry, in I'm just imagining I'm imagining a girl in like ethical, like Everlane clothes, like talking like as if they're like a, a guy in a car commercial going like, Yeah, we're thinking about buying American. Ooh, okay, but that's probably <laughs> that's probably coming up because like Yeah, probably. Yeah. I American I, like it. <laughs> I love it when I see people doing like sustainable fashion hauls and I'm like, ooh, like I really wanna I wanna this I want the scientists to take out your brain and study it. Like I wanna watch the little wheels in she's your mind. Like one work. of those little fucking feed sack yeah. dresses. And Tell she's me like, about if you don't buy American, you're problematic. Tell me about your thought process in doing a sustainable <laughs> haul. Um but anyway. You know, like the the lack of thought process is a part of the the empire in decline. 
Um, mm-hmm. The United States and like the West generally like it, but the, the United States, especially because we are in the uh, imperial core, like we derive our power from the exploitation of labor, particularly from black people and other people of color, um, people of the third world. And then like, we also derive power from theft of resources in particular from the third world, but like also historically and currently from our own indigenous population. And then the classes of man and woman, as well as like racial classes are created through uh, patriarchal oppression and colonial violence and are enforced through those as well. And like, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have like the racial category of black if it weren't to protect chattel slavery. And we also like, have and need the category of woman as it is like defined in a like very patriarchal way in order to control and force domestic and reproductive labor. Um, And I think that what we're seeing right now is that like the United States, Joe Brandon, his friends, like (laughs) they can, you know, we can see that the US empire's like power is like slowly like slipping further out of its grasp. And I think that as that happens, like the more violent the United States is going to become in its attempt to hold on to it. Um, And this is true for the rest of the West as well. Yeah, um, like, and it's a, it's a big part. And and the, you know, the first person that's going to be, uh, or the first, you know, group of people that are going to be uh, held accountable for that, uh, you know, grasp for power are going to be um the oppressed classes so it starts you know with people like women and trans people um women's piecemeal liberation uh for their role as like indentured domestic servants um has like uh brought them somewhat closer to being acknowledged socially as humans um with the rights to autonomy and agency we can vote rock the vote mm-hmm. you know? we can rock um, the vote i rock the vote we can rock the vote constantly i'm rock throwing rocks at the, the vote <laughs> <laughs> and i'm having a great time I'm, doing it i'm rocking at the vote i'm bludgeoning the vote mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um <laughs> you know we have the right to autonomy we have the right to agency we are the daughters of the witches you couldn't burn and mm-hmm. of course that makes it difficult to maintain a strict division of labor um, when women are suddenly given the choice between uh being a laborer or uh being a birth giver or you know a woman who can have it all you know the um the murphy browns of 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 the world i don't um, think that you can have it all though you can't. I don't. Yeah, I, don't I like. So I don't. Either. I don't think anyone does. It's not really a thing. Mm-hmm. That's that's totally mm-hmm. like a like a capitalist fantasy because oh, like the absolutely. idea that you can like be successful as a like productive worker and then also like devote the time and labor that is like necessary for raising a family, especially like with the division of labor still being what it is like domestically, where women are still like majority in charge of domestic labor like it's it's not possible um and i don't really know if it needs to be like a goal of feminism to make it possible but that's you know very another conversation for another day we could get into our whole thing about our hatred of choice feminism but i think we'll wait for another chapter to get into that um but we're, we're we're continuing to bust the myth about um radical feminism and 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 trans people and you know, um, 
the very existence of trans people points out the absurdity of gender as like a rigid assigned category based on observable biological traits and transphobia they experience um, is evidence of the violence required to maintain it. Um, I mean, you said that you get a lot of times people saying like clocked, you're a man. And I get that all the time too. And it's partially just because of like the absence of being bigoted to trans people. Like if you just say like, I, if you just simply defend a trans person in an argument, they will immediately assume that you are a part of this like cabal, um, that they seem to think exists of just, um, entirely trans women and not. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that, you know, like, they're always trying to gotcha people by by going, mm-hmm. like, define women, right? And there isn't really, yeah. like, a single definition that, that actually fits besides just, like, person that experiences, like, misogyny that's, like, derived from the, the mm-hmm. like, social understanding of what it means to be a woman. And so, like... I, you know, like, and so, and like, as like, as that like understanding of what it means to be woman like is changing, because what it yeah. meant to be woman for a very long time is like person whose job it is to like be made to do reproductive labor without like really having to give any kind of consent for that. Like that has has changed a lot, um, not as much as it should have, but like it's changed a lot in the past hundred years. And so this the the definition of woman is eroding there already and so like Mm -hmm. the issue with turfs which is also like what is happening with the erosion of um abortion rights as well as like the like legislated like oppression of trans people that's happening right now is that like it is reifying these classes of of like man and woman and like is asserting that that woman we can define it as is someone who is responsible for reproductive labor um Mm -hmm. like regardless of how they feel about it or not and like that was something that we had fought for a while to change and so it's it's Mm -hmm. interesting to see women in particular like trying to to chase people back to that um (laughs) because it kind of sucks like yeah (laughs) kind of low-key sucks um you know transing your gender is is the proof that we have right now that a better future is possible you have control of your own body you can do what you want with it you can identify how you want with it um your identity is not imposed upon you in order to steal your labor away um and i just i I think it's a it's a really important distinction to make that like this is that these two like women's rights and trans rights go hand in hand in especially their overlap over bodily autonomy. Um, yeah, well, like the that like, is like woman, the big overlap. It's practically a circle. Woman as um, a as like a you know like a rigid social category is like you being told by patriarchy like this is what you are, this is what you're supposed to do with your body, like fuck you if you have anything else to say about it. And so like mm-hmm. the the movement for trans liberation is is getting at that and is proof Mm -hmm. that like that is not how things need to be so it's I think just like really imperative that people see these issues as connected because if you do not like there's just no way that we're going to to win um because when we you know when we see women um forced to like carry a pregnancy to term and other women like forced into remaining closeted or unable to access like gender affirming healthcare, or they're accused of being like groomers and pedophiles, like just for being alive. 
um that's our that's our fucking flop era empire (laughs) trying to pull itself off the ledge like and it's and it's impossible also to separate white supremacy from imperialist patriarchy and so this is like really racially motivated as well and i just also want to like i want to name drop that i um got the term like white supremacist imperial imperialist patriarchy from bell hooks um where i remember the first time that i i think i read something by her might have been we real cool and she kept Mm. saying that and i was like damn bell like that's a long, like, that's a mouthful. It's <laughs> a lot of words. Like, what if we just said, uh, like, intersectional oppression or something? But as, I, as I've gotten older and smarter, um, I've realized that, like, I think that actually, even, even though it is a mouthful, it's, like, the best terminology that we have for describing the like conditions that we live in and I would rather be like specific and a mouthful Mm -hmm. than like be unclear and then have my words used against me by like Etsy resellers I think Um, it's very important to uh you know like and and this is this is something that's a big part of Dworkin's own practice as well as Bell Hooks um which is the idea of like not mincing your words not um dumbing yourself down um, in order to be digestible and pre-chewed, as, as yeah. she says. Because, I mean, that's that's the big, I think, problem right now that we're facing. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're living in an era where feminism is also tied to um, Bill Gates' internet. Um, so we have is a lot of- Is it his internet uh, and not the other guy? Not Al Gore? Steve Jobs? Al Gore? I Al thought Gore's it was, internet. yeah. <laughs> Bill Gates was not Again, online. Al- he was, yeah. he was, he had a whole year of sucking and fucking for sure. And multi- <laughs> multiple years of that. <laughs> no, it's and Al with, Gore's with internet. With whom? You um, know? Unfortunately, we have to tie feminism to Al Gore's internet in the year of our Lord uh, 2022. Um, so you get a lot of people who take um, really ex- extremely important and heavy terms like choice feminism like gaslighting um gatekeeping etc cetera, etc cetera. girl bossing and you have the girl bossing you know we're, <laughs> we're, we, we are digested we're you know we're pre-chewing them down into forms that are barely even recognizable and they just become like nasty oatmeal um that like is purely like the the nutritional value of it is completely lost in like the the saliva of other people God, this um allegory <laughs> that you're creating is not very fun to imagine yeah i i feel like it's it's really important to like be as accessible as possible like there's no reason mm-hmm. to pull uh jordan peterson and like use a bunch of like jargon from different disciplines and like going to like your thesaurus and using the most complicated word um for whatever you're trying to express but there's also like something to be said for like clarity of language and sometimes like that comes at the expense of being readily understood by everyone but that's you or know under like, 140 characters you right know. but that's like what citations are for that's what like looking things up is for and I like, you know, we trust you to be smart. Dworkin also trusts you to be smart. And I think that that's also why we're like trying to read this together because I think that mm-hmm. we're going to get more out of it through conversation. Um, yeah. And there's, we there's a lot on this podcast, a lot you to know, get into book it. Clubs are important. Mm-hmm. We love, we love a good book club. We love we, a good you reading, know, we, group we told reading. people that book clubs were a great way to meet like, 
people to go on dates with is is actually what we said and mm-hmm. uh <laughs> i have gotten so many dms being like yeah i like started a book club and like now i'm meeting hot people thank you so uh yeah, yeah. but okay like the last thing about like white supremacist imperial patriarchy that i right. want to say is just that um I've since seen people modify that to say like white su- supremacist imperialist heteropatriarchy, which is like, I don't know why you're throwing more, like more sounds onto this already very long term, but it's a little bit redundant and not necessary because uh, patriarchy is uh, inherently, yeah. yeah, it's like heteronormative, like there's not there's Mr. not patriarchy came out as heterosexual the other right. day He's like there's so not brave. there's not gay patriarchy i'm just like <laughs> or where they'll say like cis hetero patriarchy and it's like is is there mm. like a trans patriarchy because i have not i'm i'm not aware I'd love of that to see it. <laughs> so i think that it just like comes from like not understanding what patriarchy is because it's not just like men um being in charge but like a system that like mm. creates a hierarchy where men are like above other people um and also like a system where this like second class of women and Mm -hmm. other genders like are oppressed and have like roles that they need to perform in service of like men uh and like the goals of patriarchy so just because like just because a man might be gay and he's shitty, that doesn't make it gay patriarchy. <laughs> um, and I'm, I, I'm just, I'm tired. Lance I'm Bass, tired. The leader of the gay patriarchy. <laughs> yeah, we're like, we're like a like a fucked up trans guy. It's still not trans patriarchy. It's, it's just re- it's regular patriarchy. He's just being a man. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, I think like something that we can add to this series, we're going to improve on what Dworkin did. Is that like I think that. You know, since she she's like a Jewish white woman, I think she did her best. But I think that like her engagement with um, like gendered racial oppression, like could it could be a little bit better. And it's probably just like limited by what her her own experience and knowledge is. Um, But it's like really impossible to to separate like white supremacy from imperialism um, from patriarchy and uh, this like desire from our flop era empire to reify the classes of man and woman is incredibly, incredibly racially motivated. And um, the, the great replacement theory um, has been getting a lot of attention recently. Like we had these in our notes for a little while. And of mm-hmm. course, like the mass shooting in Buffalo has brought this idea to a lot of people's attention, but just in case you don't know, it's the conspiracy theory that white European countries' populations are being replaced by non-white people through immigration and a drop in birth rates. Um, And they're aided by the complicity and also like the machinations by liberal evil whites. And maybe we can read whites here um, with like some parentheses around it or like cough, cough, mm-hmm. like Jews. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it was, of course, like initially thought up by like a dumbass French guy. Um, his name is Renaud Camus and he he's Ugh. still alive. He's like 75. So like he's old enough oh to God, take a punch. Yeah. Um, if we have any French listeners um, who, you know, like 
I don't know. Like, can you get a gun in France? Um, I like we could we could I'm mail you this out. <laughs> we could mail we could mail you one. Like, because if we're if we're giving if we're just giving people like epubs, like anyway, mm. go go pay him a visit. Um, but that's that's yeah, what the yeah, great replacement hi. theory is. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's not some elite ruling class conspiracy to replace all white people. Would be cool be if there was, cool. though. It would be cool. Would be I, cool. I would be. I'd be about it. I would replace them first. I would. I would go for all the people that have blue eyes, and like, I would make them all wear brown colored contacts. And uh, I. So me first. I'm. I'm your first disciple. Oh yeah, this. Kendall, you're first against the wall. Goodbye. <laughs> I'll miss you. Okay. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that you missed me. Yeah, um, but like that's really not gonna—it's not gonna stop me. Also, like we've no, got to liberate your trust fund from your bank account. <laughs> I have to disperse it amongst the people. I have to slaughter your dressage horse and use it to feed the hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to make sure that you can like cut them open and yeah, use the body to keep everyone warm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um it is true however that um in countries where there was and still is a white european majority the population of non-whites uh is increasing however it's not the first time that that's happened in the history of the west like the idea of white or even like european cultural unity is a a, it's a fairly new one like even if we just think about like the concept of race as we know it it's a it's a very new idea it's one that was it's one that was created to solidify african chattel slavery slavery um and those slaves as a completely separate race uh since then like when white populations uh felt that dominance of whiteness was threatened they just made new white people irish people you're white now Jewish people, you're white now. Um. <laughs> sometimes, but yeah, sometimes. yeah, Kenny. Like, do you um, like, do you remember? I feel like there was like a one image like that was going around everywhere, and it was like, mm-hmm. this is what humans are gonna look like in 2050. Yeah. And I swear to God, it looked like biracial Miley Cyrus, <laughs> where like, like it was this girl that was like, like light skin. Um, maybe she was like, I don't think that she was necessarily like, well, she, maybe she's not any race, right? Like she's, she's every mm-hmm. race. She's, mm-hmm. she's light brown though. Don't worry. She's um, a product manager. But um... she's got green <laughs> eyes. And like, uh-huh. the green eyes were piercing and they were staring at you and they were like, this is this is what future people look like and like uh so that's very it's a very scary possible future for white supremacists <laughs> but like it's also a very scary possible future for me to consider because like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, my thought my thoughts on light eyes are well documented um and I if i had to yeah. like exist in a future where everyone is walking around like light skin with green eyes like making the the like light skin face in their selfies and like put they're all posting drake lyrics like it's a that's a bad future but they're still posting drake lyrics as if it's like as if they're like (laughs) like it's homer in the odyssey (laughs) Uh, i feel like in 2050 like drake will have gone through like a cryogenic uh like procedure to be like permanently 40 (laughs) but he's gonna keep dating like 18 year olds and he'll continue to make like sad light skin music um and so they'll he'll he'll sort of be like raised up as like a prophet of the 
the new category of, of people, the green, the green eyed devils. Um, so, were... so they'll like etch. So you're thinking they'll etch in like holographic stone. I know way, way too many people here right now that I didn't know last year. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that is the future that uh, I guess like white supremacists are trying to prevent. I'm also trying to prevent it, but like in a different way. It's for a different reason, a cool reason. For different reasons. I just don't like green eyes. And I don't know why they think that all these future people are going to be like light brown. Like mm-hmm. they, they're fans, very scared. You know? They're very, you know, they don't, they don't want you to cook in the oven too long. Anyway, on the subject of like <laughs> making new white people, um, that uh-huh. is something that the United States is really good at, uh, in particular mm-hmm. um yeah. it's something that like we have a like pretty long history of doing like since the beginning of the united states um one example is like residential schools um in the u.s were created with the intention of taking indigenous children away from their families and uh civilizing them into becoming white by like preventing them from having access to any like cultural practices and that forced separation from their families. Um, the United States has also like welcomed lots of other former um, like othered ethnic groups into whiteness and have used them to be agents of protecting white supremacy. This is why Boston is like that and why Irish people, Irish Americans, Irish and Ireland are cool. <laughs> Irish Americans have like a biologically like rooted disposition to becoming <laughs> cops. Uh, and that that's like what being white um, mm-hmm. makes you. It makes you like b- want to become a cop. It makes you want to, to mm-hmm. sign up for a career in law enforcement. The Irish in Ireland, they don't have that experience because um, mm-hmm. they're, they're still, you know, like a a colonized people so they they're mm-hmm. having a different experience than the the bostonians um but the, like the white supremacist slogan the 14 words it's you know we must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children and the we in that sentence is like imperialist white supremacist patriarchy and the future for children can be secured like both through heightened subjugation of reproductive labor as well as creating new white people yeah, and you might think that, you know, uh, this history that the U.S. has is over now, and we're, we're so much better than that now, but, but listen, Or maybe, or maybe that the bad thing is just coming, like it's on its way, yeah, right? <laughs> it's on its way, it's not here yet, but listener, dear listener, if you go to Instagram right now and you look up the hashtag AdoptiveMommy, you're going to find a whole group of people, children from families of color are already being separated and giving to white families to raise, um... It's a repeat of the colonial violence uh, of residential schools that's happening legally, completely in the public eye. It's, um, I mean, like if you you see a lot of people after uh, Roe v. Wade was um, the Roe v. Wade news was announced, um, talking about how like there's so many kids in adoption and adoption is such a a viable uh, place that doesn't that's overcrowded and doesn't need more children and you should you should adopt, but. They, they have absolutely no idea the absolute fetid nature that hides underneath the adoption system. Um, this is a quote from a Daily Beast article about immigration and detention centers under the Obama administration. So like a uh, while before, ago. So a while ago. Like, let's, yeah. not, let's not talk about Trump's America here. We're talking about America always. Um, the former head of U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement under President Barack Obama 
warned that some of the children who'd recently been separated would remain separated permanently and potentially be adopted. Reports surfaced of mothers who were told that their children would be adopted as an incentive to behave. On Tuesday night, the Daily Beast reported that the threat of adoption had become weaponized as Guatemalan mother detained by Customs and Border Protection earlier this month was allegedly presented with an ultimatum that if she didn't abandon her asylum appeal, she would be jailed for a year and her daughter would be put up for adoption. So a lot of these children that are sitting in adoption centers, you might think they're just like little orphan Annie, just sitting around singing little songs. But in fact, they are <laughs> children who have been stolen so from their parents. Singing. You know, Drake. Like, all the songs from is, like <laughs> they're singing Drake. I mean, like I feel like I mean, people probably don't have that idealistic of, of a notion of it, but I think that there is this idea that like there are like lots of children who like need homes and like and want not really thinking about like where it is that they're coming from um, or like how they ended up in these adoption centers. Um, or whether they want another parent entirely. Yeah, or, yeah, like, like what, their what their family situation parent. was that, yeah. like, led them to be, like, put up for adoption. And mm-hmm. it obviously, you know, like, this got worse under Trump. Um, the Ob- Obama administration, like, saw more deportations than any previous one. Um, but the problem is, like, only continued. And uh, under the Trump administration, like migrant children were separated from their families at the border. Um, and many of them were found to have been given to various like private evangelical Christian adoption agencies, including one linked to Betsy Devos, who was like part of the Trump administration. Um, obviously, like not all adoption agencies are like participating in this like really disgusting, like racist scheme. Um, and you should not like assume that like every adoption is like done with this purpose, but you can also imagine that like evangelical Christian right-wing adoption agencies have some goals, uh, and they have some guidelines for what kinds of families they will allow to adopt children that they have stolen. And the Trump admin also like put into place policies that allow private adoption agencies with federal funding um, the legal ability to discriminate against like LGBT families, um, which should should not be allowed, you know, uh, like allegedly considering like rights or whatever that we're supposed to have, but those are fake. Um, and in the United States also like poverty is a sign of parental neglect and it can be considered abuse and grounds to take children away from their families and make them wards of the state. So there are multiple paths to creating new white people and having new white people that are interested uh, and willing to like enforce white supremacy. And mm-hmm. the erosion of abortion rights is the second hand of this like imperial white supremacist patriarchy trying to claw back whatever power they think that they've lost. Right. I mean, even getting back to Jorkin, as she says in her preface, it, it is no accident that most of the books published in the last few years about the decline and fall of the Anglo-European culture because of the polluting effect of women of all races and some men of color, that, and there are a slew of such books, have been written by white boy journalists, <laughs> which is a wonderful little term. I, I do love white boy journalists. Um, you could say that's that the white boy journalists now are just writing about trans people and how spooky they are. 
Um, but they're also oh, still writing about, write about cancel uh, culture. Some of them write about yeah, cancel culture. Oh, they culture. love writing about cancel culture. And also about how like they aren't getting picked for stuff because they're they're a white man. Um, mm-hmm. and that people mm-hmm. just, they want, they want those diversity points. They love to like whine and complain. They love it. They love it. And so it's, it was true in Dworkin's time as well as ours. Anyone who poses a threat to gender, uh, poses a threat to capitalism and to white supremacy. So it, it's comes as no surprise that there's so much vocal opposition by annoying white people <laughs> to trans liberation, uh, to pr- reproductive rights, and that movements like Me Too get quickly cannibalized by those in power, and that renders them toothless. We are going yeah, to get ter- to our disdain of Me Too in life yeah. eventually. Uh, we're gonna absolutely. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Just wait. I promise you. I promise it's coming. Yeah. Um, so hopefully those those turf accusations, they've been squashed. They're out of the way, right? Uh, vote with your phones now, but I think we all agree. Um, yeah, rock the vote. Dworkin, not a twerf. Not a twerf. twerf. A turf. <laughs> Dworkin the twerf. <laughs> um, but that's the more recent polarizing quality of Miss Dworkin's intercourse. So what else is there? She was she was very much a controversial figure in her time as well as now. Um, so she says in her preface, uh, again, intercourse is still being uh, reviled in print by people who have not read it reduced to slogans by journalists posing as critics or sages or deep thinkers, treated as if it were odious and hateful by every asshole who thinks that it will heal this violent world, is more respect, um, has more respect for uh, dead white men. So um, She's so fun. Yeah. That's that Scorpio so Mercury coming her. out. She's she's a really fun, fun person fuck to read. Fuck this and fuck you. She, like- yeah. <laughs> She does not really like <laughs> doesn't have a lot of patience for people who aren't going to like bring to her work like the respect that she's like yeah. bringing to her reader. Um, she's righteously rude, and we love that because we yeah. are also righteously rude. I'm very um, polite, actually. I'm I'm so no I'm you know like I've got manners. I say please and thank you, you all do. the time. Um, you do, but we're like. You know, an hour and some change in to explaining what we're trying to do here, and you're welcome for that. It's episode zero, but like mm-hmm. we're we're trying to cover intercourse chapter by chapter, unless we feel like taking some excursions, which we're like very entitled to do. We might Always. we might do that. We can do what we want, but I I would like recommend reading along if you if you can, if only to get like a sense of Dworkin's style. And we're gonna say what chapter we're covering like in the title of each episode so that like mm-hmm. you know um because she she's so fun to read like she doesn't hold her punches so she refuses to bite her tongue um she's she's like probably she's doing a lot of biting um she's and annoying. i think that that is where <laughs> the revulsion comes for her because she refuses to couch her language in delicate terms or to make the subject of like heterosexual power dynamic and the way that they make themselves known in sexual relationships like palatable at all. And she describes her book as asking at least some of the right questions. Intercourse conveys the density, complexity, and political significance of the act of intercourse. What it means that men, and now boys, feel entitled to come into the privacy of a woman's body in a context of inequality. Yeah, I mean... Some readers, uh, and more often people who have not actually read the text, have deliberately misunderstood the questions Dworkin is asking. She does not care 
if you don't understand. Um, Intercourse is not meant to be an easy read. I'll warn you that right now. Um, as she writes, like, I've never been written, I have never written for a cowardly or passive or stupid reader, like we said at the beginning. You know, okay. she's she's not easy. Um, she didn't she come here to make friends. You for she didn't come here to make um, friends. She came here to win. And but but it will be a rewarding read in the end, I think. Or she listen, won't hand you, you that might, award. You might not have to read it because we're yeah. right here and we know that you hate mm-hmm. books and yeah. you're valid. Like I have so much respect and empathy for your imposter syndrome. I feel the same way. Um but the okay, the providing prevailing, like misguided summarization of this book is that all sex is rape or that all men are rapists. Um, and we we like we could refute that right now. We're not going to because if yeah. that's actually like your takeaway after listening to like any of the episodes or reading any of the texts, it says um, a lot more about you and your relationship to sex than it does um, Dworkin. But that is actually kind of the point. She's asking you to challenge what you think is normal in a sexual relationship. And um, in her preface, she also writes, like, can a man read intercourse? Can a man read a woman's work if it does not say what he already knows? Can a man let in a challenge, not just to his dominance, but to his cognition? And specifically, am I saying that I know more than men about fucking? Yes, I am. Not just different, more and better deeper and wider the way anyone used knows the user and i guess I to, fucking, to answer her question like no like a man <laughs> cannot read a woman's work if it doesn't say what he already knows because so many of them have come with very um poor takeaways that make me concerned for their reading comprehension abilities but we're hoping that maybe maybe in like audio format that will change um, but she's, mm-hmm. you know, she's like, she's asking a lot of you like the, that yeah. there is a challenge to your dominance and your cognition and mm-hmm. the challenge that she, she knows more than you. Yeah. The idea is that, uh, you know, you're dumb. <laughs> I just love, I just love you're dumb. Like, yes, I do know more than you. And I know, I don't just know more, but I know it better and I know it deeper. Even the things you do know, I know them better than you know them, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is just like, it's. Like, like we said, it's like she's, she does not mince her words. She does not, uh, you know, bite down and hold her tongue. Um, and I think that that's a good thing. Um, but also like, you know, I would say that like when a, when a woman is asking you to challenge yourself like this, um, when a woman who is like labeled as like a man hater who says things like she knows more than men about something, um, that comes from a place of care and that comes from a place of deep deep empathy um like it's it's asking you to challenge yourself and be better rather than um just expecting you to be complicit um i personally think that all the man haters i've known in my life um have loved the men in their life deeper and more no let's not we we're Um, we're not gonna (laughs) we're not gonna put that out there yeah (laughs) no men you are not loved don't listen to Kendall. This is not true. People do not like I'm you. Saying, I'm saying no. that, that, that you are, you are, if you're asking to be challenged, you're asking, you're being told that you have more potential um, than, you know, you think. I don't, um, I don't right know. Right now if... you're dumb and you're stupid. Mm. Um. 
You know, like sometimes when my dog barks, I'm like, hey, you should stop. <laughs> and I really would love for him to stop. But I don't know if I think that he's like got the potential like okay to be i just you know okay. i don't You're love men <laughs> i don't love when he's also he's he's a man for sure i don't love uh-huh. men i don't care about you um maybe kendall does That's, i don't care about my our fans i'm just saying that like when you are being challenged you are being told that you have the potential to think um more than you are thinking right now um you know, intercourse wants you to think critically about what it means to desire or be desired. And that under patriarchy, we've all been socialized to eroticize imbalances of power and domination. But it's not just being, it's not just about, the book is not just about being critical about what sex is or what relationships are like. It's also an invitation to imagine and create a more free future where no one is a user or is used. You know, equality in the realm of sex is only an anti-sexual idea if sex requires dominance in order for you to like feel sensation. I mean, she made that point herself, you know, what, uh, but, but if one sexual, if one sexual experience has always and without exception been based on dominance, not only overt acts, but also metaphysical and ontological assumptions, how can one read this book? The end of male dominance would mean in the understanding of such a man, the end of sex so in the current socialized form of like what a man is if they assume that all like sex ontologically metaphysically like physically emotionally relies on domination if you get rid of domination that means sex doesn't exist it's not it's not really sex um, yeah, she's just simply she, untrue. She says later in in the book also like how can anyone love someone who is less than a full person unless love itself is domination? And so she's mm-hmm. not saying like love is impossible or that like sex without coercion is impossible, but that that is the that's the default state because we live under patriarchy. And so she's offering you a challenge. Um, to think of sex in a different way. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which for some people will mean the end of sex as they know it. Um, Mm -hmm. In the past decade or so of feminism, the sex positivity movement has become really, really popular. Um, But the movement itself is pretty limiting. It gives women the option to say that they like sex um, and that they feel desire, but like nothing really more complex than that. Um, And as we go chapter by chapter, we're going to see that like Andrea presents the various complex emotions and social paradigms that men are bringing to their own sexuality. Um, Under sex positivity, women are allowed to acknowledge that they enjoy sexual relationships, but they're not really often allowed to be more than empty vessels for men's complexity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, she, as Dworkin says, critical thought or deep feeling uh, puts one into a Puritan camp, that hallucinated place of exile where women with complaints are dumped, after which we can be abandoned. Why, socially speaking, feed a woman you can't fuck? Why fuck a woman who might ask a question, let alone have a complex emotional life or political idea? Yeah, um, and I feel like we but- can we can see the pendulum swinging backwards like right mm-hmm. now where mm-hmm. women themselves are like putting themselves into these Puritan camps because 
the way that sex and sexual relationships have been like presented to all of us is that like either you're in the sex positivity realm where you're saying yes and I like Mm -hmm. it and that's it um or you have to say like no and I don't like it um and like delve into this belief of like sexual puritanism and I can't Mm -hmm. tell you like how many people I have seen in the past year like admonishing women for casual sex or for like having uh like a sexual relationship like outside of like wanting to be yeah like or like wanting to be in a like a committed relationship like weird body count like conversations like even just it's, the term body count, like, yeah, like, well, like, in and of itself. Like Ooh. sexual puritanism <laughs> ha- is, I think, a bigger presence right now, like socially, than it has been in maybe like 20 or 30 years. And mm-hmm. I think that that comes in response to women asking questions and also yeah. what happens when something like the sex positivity movement really only gives you the options to say, yes, and I like it. Um, And so that's why in our series, we're going to try to cover things that help us get at the different concepts that Dworkin is talking about. So we've got true crime entertainment on the docket. We've got the Me Too movement, various vlogger shenanigans, Mm -hmm. certain public domestic abuse trials, maybe, Um, femcell dating advisors, incel forums, the hegemony of OnlyFans, sex positivity, pickup artists, online kink comics run by Portland she, hers, and more yeah, and more. 30 plus year old women who uh-huh. um, <laughs> yeah. who may and, or may not have pink or blue hair. And that uh-huh. is because in each chapter of Intercourse, like Dworkin analyzes men's art and literature that is mostly made by men in their own words to show how she's right about everything. She'll be like, Men feel repulsion and shame for having sexual desire, and then they punish women and they and they hate women because women cause that repulsion. And when you're like twerking, like maybe you're going a little bit too far. She'll just like throw a Tolstoy quote at you, where he's like, "Yeah, I hate women because I want to fuck them." Um, <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, like okay, like you're right." Uh, and so we're gonna do the same thing because we're also we're so right, but we're mm-hmm. gonna replace Tolstoy with like. Nash Greer. Have you forgotten about Nash Greer? I haven't forgotten I haven't. about Nash Greer. I um, haven't, but maybe our listeners have. If Have you forgotten about Nash Greer? Vote with your phone. talking about um, a blue-eyed devil. <laughs> Who married a black woman. It's, he did. He did. He did. And he's still like that, a big Christian, I'm not too. going to forgive him for, for that, though. <laughs> like, he's still got blue eyes. Yeah. And there's, there's oh, really just, no coming I, I back. I think... I think marrying a black woman is actually a bigger oh. betrayal as a, as a blue eye Like, not, no, to, for, for you. Kendall coming out <laughs> against miscegenation, anti-interracial <laughs> relationship Kendall. We need to secure a future no for our people. Spread. We need I'm to secure no to a blue eyed child. <laughs> I'm saying no one needs to spread Nash Greer's genes. That's okay, my point. Okay, okay. All right. <laughs> Got you there. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying that we need to be homogenized blue-eyed people need to be homogenized i'm saying no one what needs color to be eyes? having babies with nash greer what color eyes does your spouse jericho kane have just wondering they're, they're also blue interesting yeah. okay uh-huh so just like i'm making a punnett square in my mind uh-huh, uh-huh um uh-huh. 
if you were to biologically mm-hmm. reproduce mm-hmm. with your partner, uh-huh. they'd be coming out with blue eyes. No, you trying you trying to secure <laughs> you trying to trying to secure a future. I think they'd have purple eyes and no period. I think that's okay. what they'd have. All right. <laughs> okay, so I mean, I hope you're excited, listeners, about mm-hmm. all of the all of the many things we're going to be pulling from here. But our goal mainly is to introduce some critical thought into how you think about sex, and also develop a critical framework for the media we consume, especially online. Um, that is about sex and romance and dating, which is a lot of it, right? That's like a lot of it. Um, and as the internet gets smaller and smaller, we see a lot of, um, you know, legislation coming in, you know, homogenizing sex online. It's an important topic to get into, right? Um, we don't want you to come away from this feeling like you have to decide that all sex is fucked up or bad and you become like a vol cell and it's impossible to have sex in like a liberatory way. We also didn't need you to feel like it's good or empowering or that you need to like it. You don't like it's the idea is to challenge your way of thinking about sex. It is not to have you make a pledge to either abstain from sex entirely or, you know, go the entirely opposite route where all sex is good. Um, yeah, it's merely just to challenge your ideas about sex. Oop, I knocked, I knocked. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think the, the failing of the sex positivity movement is that the path mm-hmm. to liberation is, is like paved by everyone getting to a place where they find sex like empowering. And I think that that's, yeah, inherently revolutionary in some way. Yeah. And that's just like obviously limiting. And like in the the book intercourse, like we you get to see all of these like interior lives of men and all of the like really complex like feelings that they're like bringing to sex. But that's not what like women are allowed to have. And like Dworkin says it herself, like I refuse to tolerate this loyalty oath approach to women and intercourse um, or women in sexuality or more to the point, women and men. The pressure on women to say yes now extends to 13 year old girls who face ooh, a social gulag if they are not hot, accommodating and loyal. Increasingly, they face violence from teenage boys who think that intercourse is ownership. Like if your options are just yes and no, and that is all that you get to think about it like that that's limiting yeah it's and and that's a that was a big limit of like the discourse surrounding the me too movement around consent and sex um that you must give a like that there is a verbal yes or no and that is it and that um you know not that like necessarily no doesn't mean no because that's not what i'm saying at all um, but more yeah, that just like that there's, there's a complexity there can be a middle ground. Yeah, yeah, that well, there can there, be a there's middle a... ground where you exist within like a, a you have like a sexual transgression happen to you, but it is not like within the definitions of like um, non consent. Well, I think like you know, yeah, that's and that <coughs> is true for assault, but also just like true for all sex that like. <coughs> the idea that you can only like exist within these like very rigid categories of like yes no I like it I don't like it like this is problematic this is woke like that's just not um like a realistic human approach to sex in a like context with any equality at all um and so it makes sense that those are like the options presented to people under patriarchy yeah, I mean, we, once again, I, I said this before somewhere in the podcast, we're going to get deeper into the Me Too movement later. 
Um, but the Me Too movement, in order to raise as much needed attention to the to the pervasiveness of sexual assault and harassment, has introduced a lot of people to the concept that they need to have fixed feelings about a sexual experience or encounter in order for it to be a valid uh, feeling. But it's actually okay to have pretty complex feelings about sex, um, even if those feelings don't line up with how you're socially supposed to. You know, Dworkin goes on to say, the refusal to let women feel a whole range of feelings, express a whole range of ideas, address our own experience with an honesty that is not pleasing to men, ask questions um, that dis discomfort, uh, discomfort and uh, antagonize men in their dominance has simply created a new generation of users and victims, children, boys, and girls, respectively. The girls are getting fucked, but they are not getting free or equal, and it is time to notice. You know, I, okay. I love to, the girls are getting fucked, but bit. they're not getting yeah. free. I love that. Yeah. That's such a good line. That, now, that could have been a tote bag if Dworkin wasn't so <laughs> Yeah, the girls are getting fucked, but they're the not girls. getting free. Yeah, that could have been a tote bag. Yeah. Um, the Etsy t-shirt. The Etsy um you know, uh, like, you know, just to bring up the Me Too movement briefly again, like, okay, as an we can't, awareness can't campaign, help ourselves. Mm -hmm. as an awareness campaign, I guess in some ways it was effective if the only goal was awareness, but it brought no material um, differences in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, we'll get into that later, but like, that's the main thing, right? Is that like, it created this awareness campaign about like the pervasiveness of um sexual assault or sexual transgression um but it did not provide any like material goods for how women are supposed to operate within those sexual transgressions or how they are supposed to um fix those sexual transgressions or even how men are supposed to either um so it's time to notice but it's also time to <laughs> actually yeah. can do something i think um, it's it's a you know it's a question of like strategy and mm -hmm. if the goal of me too was to raise attention on something then in some ways it's been successful if it was to change what it was raising attention to can't really say that it was if it was to like provide a system of accountability or like change the way that people see sex and and like move it out of the realm of domination like then it, it very much um failed and i think in some ways set people back and i think that that is a good like tie in to the very last idea that i want to present in this preface episode which i think we're the only people that can do a an episode zero that is over an hour long. So shout out to us, uh, episode of of kind of nothing episode where we Honestly, talk about what we're going to talk about later. You know what, Pay we're valid. And warriors, you're welcome. We, you're we welcome. give you so much content every fucking week. You you your entire commute to work and back. Um, uh, you're in on the road. <laughs> you're driving. I mean, I guess they're drive. They keep telling us they're driving. You should um, get on a train. You should get on a train. <laughs> you lo you I, love the train. I do love a train. I'm going to take the train to Chicago this summer. So mm -hmm. oh, excited about that. It's like a 30-hour train. Anyway, the last idea that I want to present here is that feminism is like a philosophy with a very, very wide range of perspectives and beliefs. After all, 
Kendall and I have, we don't want to be under the same umbrella as like the pussy hat wears and the girls with eyeliner so sharp that you can kill a man. But like, here we are. We would not get along. No, but we're, you know, we're all here um, under the mm-hmm. same umbrella. And feminism is also an ideology that uh, can hold really different goals within it. Like Mm -hmm. some people's goals um, are to get women elected. They want to rock the vote. Some people want to rock different kinds of outfits. Um, Some people want to like exercise power with the same impunity as a man. But uh, our our goal is to win, um, which is what makes us different. And it's also what makes us better. Like for me, um, feminism is a political movement and it's a movement that has like aims and a movement that should be taking strategies to make advances and like maybe it will suffer defeat at times but like at least like something was attempted and then you got to roll with it like to win means you need a goal and the goal is the the destruction of imperial white supremacist patriarchy it means the abolition of gender and of capitalism and like Raylo fanfic and like other stuff that we don't like um <laughs> what else don't we like all the things we don't like. We don't um, like anti-intellectualism. We don't like anti-intellectualism. We, we don't like brunettes. Uh, we don't like brunettes. Um, who else don't we like? We don't like we people don't that work like, for the New York Times. We don't like people who work for the New York Times. We don't like um, Snow. I don't like the. I don't like blood on the dance floor. Yeah, it's not. It's not great. The music's yeah. not great. It's kind so of like it. feminism um, is is it's getting rid of all that stuff. But yeah, in order to destroy like. things, you've got to understand the thing that you're destroying. And I think that that's what Dworkin does really well in her book Intercourse, and that's what we're hoping to do in this series. You know, we want to rip open your third eye and hold up your face, um, gently cupped in our hands, to the ring light of a pickup artist vlogger's camera and we're we're holding your face gently with our bare hands and we're we're making you look into the light you're going to reach enlightenment and then we're bringing you onto the winning team so we're that was big sway naturals baby yeah thanks for coming um my year of sucking and fucking yeah, so it's, not. This is my we're sorry. Not your. We're not. We're not. We're sucking. not sucking and fucking. We're fucking. Not. Not oh, at all. We're fucking. This is. This has been the episode zero of our new reader series. Um, be sure to subscribe to Patreon if you want these early. Cause yeah, if you uh, if you want them on time, time when we put yeah. them out. <laughs> yeah, when you then you got to give us money. Time, you got to give you us money. Don't want them on time. Fine. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Fine. You'll get that's it okay. eventually. You will get it eventually. You just have to wait a little bit. Um, but if you're excited, if you want to be on the winning team, if you want to learn, um, if you want to learn, give us some money um, mm-hmm. and hang out on Patreon with us. Um, yeah, it's going to be linked in the description. Um, if you want um, a PDF of of Dworkin, even if you don't listen, even if you don't like want to subscribe to the Patreon, just email us. We'll give you a we'll give you a little a little preview. Allegedly, we yeah, will we'll allegedly. Allegedly as a joke, you a, as a joke, give you a PDF and satire. We will uh-huh. give you a PDF of intercourse. And, and if you live in France, if you live in France and you want to take out <laughs> a guy that is spreading bad ideas, who's seventy-five, so he's like got some time left in him, like mm-hmm. from nature. If someone doesn't get ahead of that, um, you know, just send me an email with your address. Like we. <laughs> will get you a variety of weapons that you can use um Allegedly. i am 
parody uh, even satire. No, no. I'm commodified. <laughs> I'm commodified this on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. And we're also Big Sway Naturals on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm um, She Herzog on Twitter. Yeah. Um, we'll yeah. see you later. We'll see Bye. you later. Bye. This is my year of not sucking. We're fucking. <laughs> Let me be clear. Yeah, I've been fucking in morning. I've been Punk is one of my favorite tastes. But in fact, there have been periods of time in our history where a president inspired the American people to kill innocent people. And I think we're in one of those moments right now. Not only that, the ball smell amazing. This is a certified Big Soy Naturals classic.